1: welcome to the 11 personnel podcast your favorite rams podcast i'm your host jordan Rodriguez, and with me as always my fabulous co-host rich hammond rich how we doing
2: Well, Jordan, we're talking about a playoff game and you're covering a, you're, you're covering a (laughs) playoff team. How does that, how does that feel? Do you even know how to prepare yourself to, to, to cover a playoff game in January? I think you've done it once, right?
1: I have covered a wild card game, a loss. I also have covered, I think a, either a firing, a change in assistant coach position or (laughs) coordinator position Or a flat-out firing or a moving on from a quarterback at least every single year on this Monday morning. So this Monday morning in which we're recording, and please, guys, please keep aware of that. We're recording on Monday morning, and Sean McVay speaks 5.30 p.m. on Monday night. Um, But here, you know, we'll we'll, we'll do our best moving forward. But on these Monday mornings, uh, usually I'm very busy with some bad news. But today I am not, and it's a good feeling. (laughs)
2: Yeah, uh, the Rams did make the playoffs. I'm sure uh, most everybody listening to this already knows, but uh, did pull out the victory over the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday and now draw the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday afternoon, 1:40 p.m. kickoff for that wild card round game. Uh Jordan, I, I know we're going to get to a little bit of player news and maybe who and who isn't uh, expected to be available, but this matchup, I I was I was kind of pulling for it as kind of a just a neutral observer. I, I love the Rams Seahawks matchup. I've loved it since Sean McVay got hired in 2017. The the games have almost always been good, competitive games. The teams went one and one against each other this season. There was great coaching kind of adjustments back and forth. I was really pulling for this game. I mean, maybe you'll see the Packers, Saints, whatever, but I, I really wanted to see Rams Seahawks three. I mean, what, what do you think about this matchup?
1: Well, you're not the only one. Apparently Aaron Donald said that this is the matchup <laughs> that the Rams wanted. So the, they obviously really liked the matchup too. And you can like a matchup and not win it every single time. Um, if you if you sure. like the matchup, it means you know you have a chance. And this Seahawks defense has gotten a lot better as time has passed throughout the season, while their offense has kind of been a little confusing at times. Um, but you can never factor out the playmakers that they have, the Russell Wilsons, the DK Metcalfs. Although this year against Jalen Ramsey, as it turns out, you actually can factor out DK Metcalf. Although I I'm not jinxing it. I'm just stating facts. We don't do jinxes in the postseason, guys. No, never. But, but it's it's I really find it fascinating. And the the chess match between offensive minded Sean McVay and um, defensive guru Pete Carroll, and then Pete Carroll's just massive amount of respect for Brandon Staley and sort of this new system that he's brought in, that's leading the league in points scored, yards, um, explosive pass plays. You know, it's, it's just really exciting times. I think, um, the Rams could have obviously pick, had a maybe easier road. Um, but at this point, I think you like this matchup. You're a familiar opponent. So, um, you're you know, I think those that in itself has a little bit of an advantage,
2: yeah. the the two games this year between those teams, very different feel and very right. obviously different results, but it didn't they it it was kind of striking to me how how the tone of those matchups were so different. so i I'm expecting. Yet another different game in in game three. I know Sean McVay is going to look at that last game a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's still going to have that bitter taste in his mouth, not being able to move the ball as, as the Rams did in, in that game. And uh, of course, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the the quarterback situation here. Uh, yes, <laughs> no, you guys but
1: are here for that? <laughs> yeah,
2: but uh, before we before we get to that, because I, I think everybody kind of knows the, the 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 table that we're going to set there. But uh, a couple really other important issues here, Jordan. Obviously, Cooper. Super Cup and Michael Brockers both missed Sunday's game being on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, I know you got a little bit of insight on this yesterday about their possible uh returns for that wildcard game. How how close are they going to be cutting it here?
1: Yeah, so they will be cutting it close, but as far as I have been told, um, and, and sort of the news that I gathered last late last night, actually I was still in SoFi Stadium and they're they were kicking me out because I was um, – <laughs> I shouldn't have been there that late and, um, you know, really fortunate and thankful for the people who who take the time to stay late there as well with us when we have late deadlines. But, um, yeah, Cooper Cup and Michael Brockers, it will be cutting it close, but if they are asymptomatic um, up to Saturday, then they could be cleared and available to play. Now the thing is so, someone – I got a question. I tweeted this out and I got a question – well, don't they have to have multiple negative tests? Yeah, these guys, everybody's getting tested every single day. So the fact that they would have multiple negative tests goes without saying. Um, they're getting tested every single day. They have to be asymptomatic um, and and at that point, you know, the 10day clearance period from the time when they actually tested positive and make that clear too, because there is some murkiness. Between when the players tested positive and then when the team ultimately announced it, and part of that has to do with the fact that in a lot of these cases, they go back and have a second test and then have to wait at least twelve hours for those results of the PCR test. So, um, you know, that that plays into it. So that this time frame starts after they actually tested positive and the first time, because then obviously the second would confirm positive. And then, you know, you kind of go through the week and it's a 10-day period plus 24 hours asymptomatic. So my understanding is they could both be cleared if they are asymptomatic um, through up until Saturday.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. These playoff games are split on Saturday and Sunday. I, know. I, I wonder if the Rams were hoping to get a Sunday game just to get a little 24 more hours of uh, of potential clearance right, there. Right. Because but they can't yeah.
1: practice. They can't. Sorry to interrupt, Rich, but they no. can't. they yeah. can't practice like Cooper cups in meetings, only virtually Michael Brockers is in meetings only virtually. It's not like either of these two guys are uh, in need of extra reps. Like they know what they're doing within the offense and defense respectively, but because the Rams also have um, as we'll get to in a minute also have sort of an unknown situation happening at quarterback at this point, it would have been nice, especially for Cooper cup to sort of get in the mix this week although he will still be in meetings and install on virtual periods so at least he can do that um and and then michael brockers could literally take a vacation to the bahamas and then step off the plane and be ready to go <laughs> so oh, i don't i don't worry much about him but um yeah it's it's going to be really interesting and you know those guys are just itching to be with their teammates especially cooper cup because he missed the playoff run in 2018 yeah. And so he now is is really, really antsy to get back because he can contribute to this. And he also, historically, is a great matchup against Seattle.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's got to be uh, – you know, it had to be devastating for him not to be able to play in that game Sunday, knowing that, that the playoffs were on the line. Uh, you know, As it turned out, even if the Rams had lost that game on Sunday, they would have still been in based on uh, Green Bay's win over – over uh, Chicago, but it certainly wasn't <laughs> set in stone there, so it had to be some had to be a difficult afternoon for him. So yeah, it looks like things are on track there. And then, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. And again, Jordan gave her <laughs> disclaimer at the at the start of the episode here, but it, it certainly should go. Uh, we certainly should note again that uh, these things are going to be fluid throughout the week. Now, of course, Sean McVay announced. Uh, last Monday, yeah. earlier than I think we anticipated <laughs> yes. that that John Walford would be starting against the Cardinals, I would be surprised again, I guess. I would be surprised if we got a similar declaration uh this week against uh Seattle, but but I guess it it could happen. I I anticipate they're probably going to play this out with Jared Goff and his thumb. Uh, for several days, and and then we'll find out maybe later in the week, maybe on Saturday, uh, what what's happening here. I mean, what's what's your what's your take on how the, all this is going to play out, Jordan?
1: You know, Rich, I know I give Sean McVay a lot of shit for the gamesmanship, quote unquote, which is a polite way of saying smokescreens, which is a polite way of saying I'd like to know more about what the hell is going on with injuries, etc. However, I actually endorse fully the gamesmanship of this week because here's what I would do if I were Sean McVay here's what I would do I wouldn't commit to a quarterback on Monday night when talking to reporters I know that my players and my team um, and my coaching staff are game planning on Tuesday but everybody's off there's no media availability the Rams have also uh, smartly or frustratingly, depending on who you ask, um, started holding walkthroughs on Wednesday. The fact that they are holding walkthroughs on Wednesday means that media does not have access to practice. So media can't report who's taking first team reps at quarterback. So then the first practice of the week would technically be Thursday. Well, if Jared Goff is taking first team quarterback reps on Thursday, it actually doesn't mean anything because he is the, the franchise quarterback. So of course he would be taking starting quarterback reps from the center again, with whom he might be playing, which is Austin Blythe. Jared Goff also has not taken any snaps yet. So regardless of the fact that he was throwing the ball on the sideline, was present for the game, was um, really excited about John Walford, which I thought was a sort of a side note, was very cool as a a human thing to be very excited about this guy Um, and excited about the win and his teammates – he was throwing the ball um, with a couple guys on the sideline. He got a couple of throws in. But again, he has not taken any snaps yet, and that's a different sort of impact on the inside of the thumb. So gripping is important, throwing is important, but also handling the snap is really, really important, as we know, and especially with some of the turnover issues that they've had. So he he's not going to be fully practicing or worked in that we know of until late in the week. And if I were Sean – I would just keep it that way. I wouldn't commit to anybody. I really wouldn't because think about it. John Walford, you know, and we'll get to his game in a minute, but he put up a whole new set of tape for Seattle to potentially prepare for. They know Jared Goff. They're used to Jared Goff. But what if you took a playoff team And you said to your opponent, hey, instead of preparing for one quarterback, I'm going to make you prepare for two because I'm not going to tell you anything about what's happening because I know that your PR people and your coaching staff is scouring the media and creating burner accounts on Twitter just to see who's taking first team reps in practice, but I'm just not going to make it super clear for you. And that way I hold a very slight advantage, I think, um, entering our playoff game in a time when they really need one because even... It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. They're not scoring touchdowns on offense. So they need every advantage they can get. So I think it's so interesting. And, and I, I like I'm I, you can hear the laughter in my voice. Like I am the first to admit I give Sean so much crap for the gamesmanship of, of everything. I always joke like, oh, find every edge and all this stuff. But I think this is great. Like this is what you have to do. You have to actually now it's the playoffs. You have to start. And it's a opponent who knows you so well. And so you have to make things super ambiguous. And and I know we got clarity early in the week, which I think surprised us both. And our lost podcast episode is somewhere floating in the universe at this point. <laughs> but we really, I mean, that really was a surprise. That was really an about face for him to come out and say, Jared had thumb surgery. John Walford's our quarterback this week, which at the time was a smart thing to do because you need to start building that confidence in John Walford at that moment and, and, and keeping everyone clear that, he's going to be the quarterback for just this week and being super adamant that Jared's going to return from thumb surgery at like a crazy quick time. But that also takes pressure off the young quarterback that takes pressure off the John Walford. If he thinks, Oh, I just have this one week to go out and play. Well, I'm going to give it all I got. I mean, not that he wouldn't anyway, but you know, it takes this layer of, okay, I, I can do this. This is, this is, I got to put everything on the line for this game. Cause this is my shot. And it's just a really interesting sort of mental sort of navigating right now that the Rams are doing uh, with this quarterback situation. And I do expect that to continue this week.
2: Yeah, I actually couldn't agree with you more here, Jordan, and it sounds weird to say as uh, somebody who works in media and is constantly trying to get more information. But I, I respect the game uh, and uh, the fact that Sean McVay would not want to put that out there. I would not want to put that out there either. I, I agree with you that the coaches – we're going to be scouring everything, probably every parsing every player interview to see if they're giving away any hints. Like uh, I'll have to check my Twitter followers and see if like at always compete is is following me on on Twitter. Uh, that, that might be a, a little uh, tip. But uh, yeah, I, I would fully expect that that this plays out for for a while. Um, and just because, like you said, this, the styles are so different. And, and if you have to make the Seahawks spend even just a couple more hours, uh, not knowing and, and trying to plan for two quarterbacks instead of just one, uh, by all means do it because Jordan, it looked like a very different game, uh, with John Wofford in there against the Cardinals. He obviously brought a different dimension. I think we can all agree on that. There's probably not a lot that Rams fans can agree about the, the quarterback situation right now. But I, I think everyone can agree that John Walford brings a, a different dimension to this offense uh, than, than Jared Goff brings. The, his ability, I, you mentioned it in your column, the, the pile that's that's online right now uh, on uh, the athletic app and, and website. I mean, it was what was that sequence there where he had three runs, I, I think, that totaled about 30 yards uh, where he just he, he sensed the pressure? And, and he got out of there, and, and he has the ability uh, to turn on that speed and, and make something out of nothing, and, and often a pretty good something uh, out of nothing, too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7,
0: U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: So, Jordan, we might as well dive right in here with with John Wofford. I mean, you, you've watched him a lot. Uh, all in all, you've you probably, I, I think you've certainly watched him more than I have uh, over the last two years in 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 practice. How did he do uh, based uh, compared to maybe your expectations for for him and and your expectations for that offense with him running it?
1: You know what? Collectively, I think at my expectations. I actually thought they would be more successful in the red zone than they were. We can get to that further down because it's sort of the the thing that's continued to to nag at them through the second half of the season um, and not is not sort of preclusive to John Walford, and it's not indicative necessarily of him specifically. It's their offense as a whole. But, okay, so we talked last week about how this offense was not going to conceptually they weren't going to just completely change everything so here's the thing that's interesting they trusted john walford to activate into runs when he felt it was necessary and i think he did so very smartly the times he ran like you could tell he he's okay with passing first if that plays available but the times he ran there was a couple of zone reads and and you knew those would be like one or two of those would be sprinkled in but also you you knew like the ram's Allowed him to activate into those plays when he when he saw fit to do so, which I think is is pretty impressive for his first week running the first team offense, right? So then the other thing is they the Rams ran their offense. I mean, you could see it right out of the gate. They ran the ball with Cam Akers right at the the first drive, and and then the first successful drive, run the ball with Cam Akers, and then they start getting John John Walford rolling out in in the boot action, and. I I really love that they did that. And here's why. It The, the Rams offense looked so different and looked so much more uh, sort of you saw the potential of the depth of the playbook. You saw the potential of the depth of the plays in terms of longer developing plays, especially, and sort of the the feeling like the play wasn't over. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that John Walford is very, very quick and has that running ability. And so teams have to defend him as such, but also the fact that he continues to change where his own pocket is according to where he feels the pressure coming, but stepping up when he needed to, or flushing when he needed to, those two things were were notable and they change what the plays can be. They help plays extend. Um, they help, the route concepts, you know, we've we'd been watching the Rams go ultra, ultra conservative in terms of their passing concepts because they, a combination of pass blocking, not having the time to develop those longer plays. And then when you roll out into the bootleg, teams are covering it up or... Teams were, um, you know, there was a there's a situation where you can send you can sort of have a free rusher hang back because everybody's going downfield. And then your free rusher comes and attacks the bootleg and covers up the bootleg. So then now the quarterback has to get the ball out of his hands really quickly. And sometimes. Um, is not able to throw um, with his feet set or not able to change his his launch point to where the ball is getting downfield. So you kind of go to the short play and then that's when you start to see your yards per pass attempt get really, really small and conservative. Okay, and Rich, interrupt me at any time if I'm starting to get no, no, too no. much in, down the rabbit hole here because this is so interesting to me. So with John Walford, when... It's almost like when the pocket breaks down, which it which it will, because we know. And this is no this. I'm not taking a shot at the offensive line; they just aren't pass blocking for a very long time, and they just haven't been for for several weeks at least. And and on average, are um, a tenth of a second. Cl- the pocket's closing a ten- tenth of a second earlier this year than it did last year. We all know what happened last year. So with John Walford, you don't the time that you have. You have two two and a half seconds to pass block. Well, if it's taking two and a half seconds for Jared Goff to get into that boot action, John Walford, as a quicker player, it's taking him maybe 1.5 seconds. So then a new a new play or a new extension of the play has started before the defense can recalibrate to what they're used to facing or used to seeing on film. So at that point, you have the free rusher coming in um, to try to cover up these bootlegs that, that Walford was running, but now you have a math- mathematical advantage in two ways. One, the double factor of John Walford can escape that pressure using his legs and then create more space for himself and reset his launch point, which is the point at which the quarterback throws the ball downfield and and how he's set in doing so. He can reset that. So that's two. So you're, you've got one on the defensive side, right? So here's the math equation. One coming on the defensive side. That means you've got one less covering downfield or um, acquiring blocks up front or anything like that. So you've got better matchups downfield. Now John Walford has already beat that one rusher by two because he's got two factors that he can do. He can run or he can reset his launch point and pass the ball downfield. Now you've got um, a mathematical ad- ad- advantage on the back end where the coverage is because this guy is up front, is coming up. And then you've also got a mathematical advantage where John Walford is because it's two versus one, essentially, in terms of ability and what, what you can do on the play. So that part's really, really interesting to me. And you can see that when those things are possible, that's when the plays can develop downfield and he can get the ball downfield like he did. He, he threw nine passes of 20-plus yards, completed three of them, a couple drops, um, one missed throw, one or two at least missed throws. But a couple of really gorgeous passes, too. And um, you have not seen that from this offense. And it's not, like we said, it's not the only thing that matters. But the fact that you combine the ability to extend into your playbook that way, because you, you now have the ability to extend these plays. We say extend plays. It means so much more than being able to run. It means, like, let's say a play is completely broken down and your quarterback's on the run. Resetting the launch point means that now you've you've essentially opened up a new play. you've freestyled it at that point, and you can now get downfield to your open receivers and then you you're seeing um sort of these these um this this really interesting con- these concepts that have already been built into the playbook. You're starting to see them really show themselves because they're able to do multiple things and more things that actually get the offense moving downfield and teams can't come in now they have to they have to be a little bit closer because um to the line of scrimmage just in case um John Walford does run but they can't get too close because if he does he could throw it past him and that's kind of what it looked like um the Cardinals were doing yesterday was kind of um daring him to pass and so he started passing because they were sending they were sending that extra guy up to cover the boot up. And then in that case, you you often have a favorable matchup downfield. And so now you have you have sort of all of these these different layers that you can can run in your offense. And, you know, I'm not going to ever, ever use the, the word controversy. I'm never going to. This is not the, this is not what we have here. But the Rams really needed that win in that way as sort of a palate cleanser and also to make it apparent and make it clear, like, this stuff is possible. And the fact that, you know, you can move into the action faster, it's not necessarily – someone asked me, like, oh, does he, pro- does he just process faster? I think we need to discern, like, if you can move into the play faster, you help your offensive line. You can get the ball out of your hand faster on the play Um, with the same amount of the play being able to develop downfield, you're helping your offensive line, you're helping your receivers. If you can extend outside of the pocket and move your pocket around and then move into your pocket if you need to, you're helping your offensive line, you're helping your receivers. And so that's kind of the, the, like, a lot of times you'd see like, okay, just get, you know, just get the ball to the receivers and they'll do the work. If you see sometimes with some of these Jared Goff games this year. Well, in this case, you really felt like it was a sort of a handshake. Like it was like, okay, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. And we're going to lift each other both up at this time. If that makes sense. I know that I just went on a super long tangent, Rich, but oh my gosh, this stuff is so fascinating to me because it's not like they weren't running their defense or excuse me, their offense. They were running their offense with a couple of little fun things with the run sprinkled in, right? But they still were able to. They were just able to execute deeper in the playbook than we really have have seen.
2: Yeah, it's it's like you're you're playing a game with a different character, right? I mean, with it with a little bit different skill set. No, then then the game's a, a little bit different because that character can do different things than than the other one did. And uh, that was probably my biggest eye opening aspect of of the game was just. Oh, okay. This this is the potential if you, if you have somebody who's different and who can who can do that sort of thing. I, frankly, I I certainly I'd always wondered about it, and it's not it's not an anti Jared Goff thing, but. You know, even just watching the other team across town, you look at the Chargers and you go, "Man, what what would Sean McVay do with Justin Herbert?" You know, I, I've been right. th- I think about that a lot when I watch the the Chargers game. Again, that's that's not a knock on Jared Goff. It's just this is somebody with a different skill set, and you can do different things with them. And and I think that's what you saw with with John Walford with with all the things that you uh, mentioned, especially like a great great point about the the ability to kind of reset there. I mean, how many times? And we watched somebody like Russell Wilson do that over the years, where it's just right. like one play breaks down, and then and then he just creates an entirely different play because he's able to get out there and and like you said, reset himself. So it's so a that's a great skill. And uh, again, even even buying yourself another half second, and and I think you know John Walford bought himself more than a half second a lot of times, but every little you know, fraction of a second, half second, full second. I mean, that stuff really matters uh, when, when you're talking about trying to to make a play. So I, I guess if, if I had to be surprised about one thing, that, that was probably it, that he was able to be as effective uh, as he was in that area. I knew he had that skill set. I just didn't know whether he'd be able to kind of pull that off with the speed of the NFL, which he had never really faced before. Although, he faces the Rams' defense every day in right. practice. So you know <laughs> they go
1: full speed on scout team. They don't. Yeah. Uh, that's how Brandon Staley runs the scout team uh, against the, his defense. Is he wants his defense to feel stressed because if they feel stressed in practice, then it'll feel more natural to be operating at a high stress level. And I say stress, not like yours or my normal stress. Like oh god, I have a deadline. Oh no! But instead, like stress, <laughs> like the actual biological sense of the word where your adrenaline's going you you want it to be normalized so that you can better play against that type of thing so um yeah to your point yeah that that's that he is running against the first team defense
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, i mean honestly facing the rams defense in practice probably tougher than than facing most uh, NFL defenses in a in a in a game week um so I, I'm sure that helped prepare him uh, quite a bit but you know Jordan everybody now is going to uh as we as we guess we have to do in society now we everybody's going to break <laughs> into their two camps of uh you know Jared Goff or or John Walford I I wish we wouldn't do that and uh, especially because I don't think it's a it's a a versus b i don't think it's john walford versus jared goff you you mentioned it in your in your story too it's it's about what's the, going to be the best thing of, to beat the seattle seahawks that's that's all that matters right now uh it doesn't nothing else matters and that nobody's trying to do a straight line comparison i'll say this about john walford okay and i i am going to try to make some statements here that that i hope will be ex- accepted as you know not mutually exclusive uh well
1: now that you have the caveat in front, you yeah, are sure. definitely not going to... Yeah. No, n- nothing will ever be
2: parsed and uh, and yeah, no, no, not a chance. Uh, John Wofford did great. He exceeded my expectations for somebody who was coming into that situation. That is such a difficult thing that he had to do. And I don't think, it, regardless of what happens from here on out, I, nobody should take that away from him. I mean, he he did a remarkable thing by coming into that situation uh, and winning that game again he did things that I, I didn't know uh, that, that we were going to see now I will say on the other hand I think people are getting re- some people are getting really 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 excited about what we saw uh yesterday and Sunday's game John Wofford did well for himself uh did he play a remarkable game for an NFL quarterback? No, I really don't think he did. Um, did he uh, say this pro football focus does their, does their scores. Uh, <sighs> I know, I know, but it, we, we need some type <laughs> of measure, right? I, won't, I was going to do quarterback rating, which I know people hate even more, uh, yeah. but, but I, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but for just for some type of measure pro football focus graded John Walford at 70.8 yesterday. Jared Goff's full season rating grade is 71.4. So I I would say that's a little more of an indictment that, of Jared Goff than it is of of yeah. John Walford. But I'm just saying it it was not a game where you would call your friends and go oh my goodness did you did you see what john Wofford did today it was it was amazing um he did very very well for himself he completed 22 of 38 attempts for 231 yards he didn't throw a touchdown he threw a very bad interception that i am very inclined to let slide because it was his first nfl throw <laughs> and he had to just i who knows what was going through his mind so I I basically take that off of his ledger because I I can't imagine what that must have been like. Um, he played a good game. However, the Rams offense also has absolutely torched this Arizona defense over the last couple of years. I mean, there's not too many defenses where you can say Sean McVay is just kind of bulletproof against them, but... Arizona would have to be one of them. The the number of points and passing yards that they've put up against the Cardinals over the last couple of years, pretty impressive regardless of, of who's at quarterback. And Jared Goff has had some of his best games against Arizona. So people are really getting on this on Twitter because I made this mention. All I'm saying is I'm just trying <laughs> to make a straight line comparison. I'm not trying to compare, and I don't think other people should either. I'm not trying to compare John Walford's game versus Arizona to Jared Goff's game versus Seattle. They're two different opponents and very different defenses. So you, you can say, you know, give give John Walford another shot. You know, maybe it'll be better. I don't know. Uh, but I'm just saying it's, it's not a straight line comparison because I'd kind of like to get, uh, in a way, I'd kind of like to get another look at it. Um, against, against maybe a little bit higher caliber of opponent and certainly a higher caliber of defense to see what John Wofford could do. That said, he did great uh, and, again, exceeded my expectations with the, some of the throws that he was able to make. Uh, again, you said he had a couple drops. He did. He had a couple throws that were off. He certainly did. Um, he didn't put the ball in really bad spots, which was impressive, uh, so I, who knows what, what, what's going to happen here. It, it was notable Jordan to me. Um, and again, we, I know we don't want to get into too much speculation here, but we heard, I know you heard last week, a lot of kind of confidence that that Jared Goff was going to play this week. They, they, it, it almost came out immediately like, okay, he's having the surgery, but we're, we think he's going to be ready. And then on Sunday it started to kind of be like, well, we'll we'll see. You know, yeah, we need and then you know, you things start leaking out with some of the national reporters. Well, yeah, the, you know, maybe are are <laughs> where do you where do you think regardless of the the gamesmanship and all that? Uh, it, it, where where do you think this is? I mean, are are they are they really going to have to, you know, kind of see how this goes this week, you think?
1: Yeah. Well, um lots and lots to to unpack sort of there rich and yeah. and first and foremost to your last point um, I I think there are two major factors here um, one is the health of Jared Goff's thumb um, we must consider the thumb as people <laughs> were so I think really grossed out by my tweet that I don't know what's gross about that maybe if you're like Five, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. know. But anyway, we have to consider the health of the thumb. Right. And um, I think that that that's the probably the main factor here. Um, If they were projecting confidence in Jared got. Listen, you can never, ever say definitively how somebody how quickly somebody is going to come back from having some part of their body opened up via medical incision and fiddled about with, and I don't think that it was, I don't think that it was necessarily them, um, flying too close to the sun there. I think like I I kind of was going back to my last point. I think part of it is they didn't want to put too much on John Walford at the time. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, if we assume, if we assume that maybe it would take maybe a little bit longer to come back from this surgery than they had said, if, if we hold with that assumption, which may or may not be true, we don't know yet. If we hold with that assumption, part of me thinks that maybe they projected such confidence in that situation because you don't want to put too much on this guy. I mean, we we saw the way that John rallied after that interception and sort of went to the sideline and told his teammates, hey, I'm good. Don't worry about me. And then came back and really, I think, played a, a pretty a pretty stout game. Um, and and I want to unpack some of your other points here in a minute. But um, but I think that that some of that could have been a little bit of gamesmanship in itself, but maybe less projecting toward the other team and maybe projecting inward because you you also want to make sure that you're continuing to project confidence in your starter while also not um, sort of negging your um, your backup who's going to start for you this week and, and putting him in an adverse situation of thinking, all right, first you got to get get us to the playoffs. Then you gotta get us to the Super Bowl. Like you don't mm-hmm. wanna you don't wanna do that, right? So right. taking it a week at a time probably would have been smarter um at the jump, but I can also see why they maybe have felt really optimistic about it. The fact that Jared was throwing a football on Sunday was was also optimistic, I think. But but I, I'm always skeptical when someone goes in for surgery and then everyone comes out glowing and saying like, oh my God, everything's so peachy and Mm great. The things that these guys do to get around a normal human body recover time, I think is substantial in this regard. So, um, I don't want to sit there and, and just assume that everything's going to be peachy and, you know, he has his grip back and there's no pain and he's going to be able to get through a game. We just don't know. And that's one of the big things here is, is we've seen people divide into these camps. And, you know, I, I can understand why people were excited about John Walford because I think it's always a, a good feeling as a human being to watch someone who is an underdog succeed and especially somebody who um, his teammates are like so genuinely really like. Um, the thing that bothers me is when people go out and say, uh, and it's usually all just crap on social media where it's like, oh, well they, they're really celebrating John Walford. That's, that's it for Jared Goff. Then those two things, that's just the most backward logic. Those two, one does not equal the other. Jared Goff was celebrating just as much as all of his other teammates on the sideline for John Walford and Jared Goff's, his teammates, they like him too. It's just that this guy, they knew that this guy is in sort of an adverse situation, has to win them a, a game to get them into the playoffs. Didn't they weren't they didn't know what was going on with the Packers game because it was happening at the same time. So it's like, you know, why don't don't take this positive thing that's positive for everybody and turn it into splitting sides when it's not necessarily that, when it's really um just kind of a collective effort of getting these guys through this freaking week. And, and so it's, it's really, that part's really interesting to me, but I think the scenarios here, um, are, are going to be interesting moving forward because there, there are people who are, I, I hear them, they're in my email, they're in my mentions, they're in my comment section, everything. I mean, Rich, you've heard them for years where people are, are tired of Jared. They don't, they don't agree with the contract. They don't think that, um, you know, he should have been the guy. And then, so the first glimpse of somebody doing something. efficiently with the football, regardless of whether the logic is there that that guy could be a long-term solution, which again, we need to unpack sort of all of these variables here, whether or not that guy could be a long-term solution, whether or not, you know, he's even starting the following week. Now that now this is the guy and disagreeing with the notion that one game should make the Rams jump ship on everything they've built for the last four or five years doesn't mean you're anti-John Walford. Right. It also doesn't mean you're pro-Jared Goff. (laughs) It just means there's a lot of gray in the middle.
2: Right. It just means you're not a knee-jerk reaction type of person.
1: Imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) No. and, And here's the thing. I said it in my column. The two major factors that will decide who plays at quarterback against Seattle is one, is Jared Goff healthy enough? Is his thumb healthy enough to set the Rams up for the best possible chance of success? Okay. Considering all of the things a thumb must endure over the course of a football game, is he healthy enough to set the Rams up for the best chance of being successful? And the other thing is when factoring in not just the health of Jared Goff, but also what he did, what he was able to do against the Cardinals in terms of just the different layers and the different looks he showed, the fact that he was relatively unknown um, to them. Does John Walford then give the Rams a better chance of setting the team up for success? So that's the, the measure that they are sort of weighing this week. And like I wrote in my column, it's pretty much got nothing to do with what John Walford was able to do in the Cardinals game, other than the fact that he ran the plays they already knew he could run, right? And instead, it's, it's all about who gives us the best chance, which all, with these variables factored in, and most importantly, the health of Jared Goff, who gives us the best chance of beating the Seahawks. Now, saying that, let's say John Walford plays against Seattle. I don't want to get too far down in hypotheticals, But I do want to say this right now. If John Walford plays against Seattle, okay, that doesn't mean then that the Rams are jumping ship on their franchise quarterback and moving toward a new direction at quarterback. Let's not sit there and do the think pieces or the the debates or like, fight with each other in my twitter mentions which is still going on since the wee hours of of the morning. Um if if he plays, if John plays, if he starts against Seattle, that does not mean that Jared Goff is not is no longer their franchise quarterback. It just means that for this game, extrapolated this situation, John Walford, they had decided, gave them the best chance at success. Whether they tell you it's Jared Goff's thumb is not quite right and sort of walk back all the excitement that they had previously. Or um, they say that, you know, John really showed us and he's the hot hand. Like, whatever. You still, I think, regardless, you would still have to factor in the injury, the thumb injury, because realistically, you just have to factor that in for multiple weeks. And, And second, like, one thing does not equal the other in this situation. You can have individual... Instances of happenstance. (laughs) And they don't have to equal each other. So if John Walford gives them the best chance to win this game against Seattle and they run with him, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see anybody. Rich, do you remember what I told what I told you about what happened with, with Kyle Allen back in Carolina? Oh yes.
2: Yes. He became basically became King Kyle Allen. Uh Right. For,
1: yeah. Right. And you know what? John Walford's a better player than Kyle Allen. I'll say that right now. Kyle Allen had like two reads on every play, and one of them was Christian McCaffrey. So I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing the two as players, but situationally, Kyle Allen won the Panthers five games. And again, this was Christian McCaffrey had like a thousand thousand season this year, uh, in, in that year, a thousand rushing yards, a thousand receiving yards, like the third player in history to do that. So let's factor that in first of all. And Kyle Allen won five games as the, as the Panthers backup quarterback. And you had the editor of the Charlotte observer, write a think piece about how he's the future and how he needs to get paid more without factoring in the notion that paying Kyle Allen anything more than his rookie undrafted free agent minimum would cost the, the Panthers a compensatory pick the following season, which they desperately would end up needing, and also that he's a backup quarterback. And it's not like they're the same player, but like you, you see then how that ends up working out if you jump to these conclusions without sort of looking at the big picture. If you base your decision-making off of one game, two games, three games, even in this case, five games, if you base your your entire body of decision-making off of like exciting moments in the moment, that's not how teams are, that's not how good teams are run. Right. That's not how teams should be run. And it's not how the Rams are going to operate moving forward. So, you know, you can, this can get me some crap or whatever on, on social media or whatever. But I, I'm telling you guys, even if John Walford, wins this next game, starts in this next game, wins this next game. It's because that he had the best chance of winning this game. This game, right. specifically. Right,
2: right. Absolutely. There's there's no question about it. And as you said, there's going to be multiple factors involved in that. And I I think it starts with Jared's thumb. It absolutely does. It does. I know, you know, we both know Jared. He's going to be pushing to play in this game. He's going to be doing everything he can all week to show them oh, I can take snaps. I they need to be a hundred percent sure. You can ne- okay. Right. You can never be a hundred percent sure. Anything can happen during a game. But but they need to to have full confidence that they are sending him out there healthy and that at the end of the first drive or the second drive he's not going to come back to the sideline holding his hand and going uh oh now what do we do you that's that's how you're going to lose the game. That's how you're or fumble. Ser- yeah, that's that's how you're certainly going to lose the game, is if something like that happens. So you don't want that. Uh, and then beyond that, it's absolutely going to be a measure. And again, it's not Jared Goff versus John Walford. It's not who is the better quarterback. It is exactly what you said, so I'm only going to repeat it once. Who is going to give you the best opportunity To win this game given this set of circumstances, given how Jared's thumb is going, given the opponent that you're playing, given how you think certain matchups within that opponent within that game are going to go, those are the things that you have to weigh and make a decision. And doesn't mean you're making a decision for September or that you're making a decision for 2022. You're making a decision for one week, and that's really all that matters. Um, right i I will say, and i I think we we started off on in this vein is it is it is a little illuminating, I'll be honest, and I'm somebody who's again has kind of urged caution with a lot of this stuff, but it is illuminating to see what somebody with a different skill set does in in this offense Uh, I am not looking ahead I know I know we don't want to do this but I just I just present it as to let people know that I'm not closed-minded about this I I am certainly open to seeing what that looks like in OTAs assuming there there probably won't be a normal OTAs again this year but let's let's be hopeful and say that there are Uh, (laughs) we're optimists yeah we're optimists (laughs) Or training camp, whatever it is, am I saying that they should absolutely shut that down and and never get a look? No, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm just saying that I don't think now is the time to say John Walford passed for 233 yards against Arizona, uh, so now he's clearly the Rams' number one quarterback. Like I don't, it's just it's a little it's a little much for me. I understand the excitement, and the other part of it is John Walford's an exciting guy the way he played that game he was out there running around he was lowering his shoulder to take on opponents i mean it was the quintessential you know scrappy backup quarterback coming in and doing all the things that fans love scrappy backup quarterbacks doing i mean it you couldn't have written the story any better for for him to to come in like that so i totally get it i understand the optimism Especially for for people who have been really frustrated with with Jared Goff's inconsistency, but it's 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 not the time for that. You need to make yeah. a, a rational decision this week about what is best uh, for for this team. Jared Goff has a lot of playoff experience. He has a lot of experience facing this Seattle defense. Some of it good, some of it bad. No question about it. But but he has that experience. Uh, John Walford would be in a in a playoff game for the first time, which is a whole heck of a lot different than than playing Arizona in in week 17. Uh, he's playing; you'd be playing a defense that's much much better than than Arizona's defense is. Um, so there's a lot a lot of factors here. I, I honestly don't envy uh, Sean McVay because there's there's a lot to consider here. But I, I guess I would start and end with. He, you know, if if he's going to trot Jared out there, he better be pretty darn sure that that thumb is going to hold up for more than, you know, more than a quarter or so.
0: See betmgm.com for terms US promotional offers not available in DC, Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the US call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call one 800 step in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, one 800 off in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Yeah, and you also have to factor in what kinds of of things the Seattle defense does in terms of the pressure it brings. Because the Seattle defense, they and it's kind of up in question whether Jamal Adams is going to be available or not because yeah. he uh, apparently hurt his shoulder. But um, what kinds of, of blitz pressure do they bring? How can you – how will you counter that? Um, how have you been at countering that when they're bringing just four where Jared has notoriously struggled? How can you – how are you – are you bringing that? If you can um, – you know, it, it's kind of like – again, it's, it's about the matchup too – you have to sort of extrapolate all the all the different things in which you've seen advantages and disadvantages in your own system and think to yourself, okay, does this quarterback, let, factoring out the thumb, let's say the thumb is healthy. Now, if the thumb is healthy, now you have to say, okay, well, who gives me a better chance to win here? Who gives me a better chance to win here? It's like the world's most stressful pro-con list because yeah. you, you sit there and you think like, okay, well, um, John Walford could they are not going to try to blitz John Walford probably like with the 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 single blitz that that Jamal Adams does with the safety at the safety position because You can just you can just scoot around it like you probably would want him back because you now know he can throw the ball. Um, You want to sit back because you know that he can pass downfield, but you don't want to sit too far back because you know that he can run. So he can easily get some of these easy yards on you um, just by tucking it and running. And so then with Jared, you have the experience factor. Let's again, fact, assuming the thumb is healthy, if it is. You have the experience factor. You have the fact that he has played Seattle so many times and knows how they, how their defense works and knows how Pete Carroll works and how all of these different things sort of, um, operationally factor in. You have, um, the, just the, in general experience of, of so many wins, um, with coach Sean McVay, you know, and it's, it's just the, like I said, it's like the world's worst pro con list. I'm very glad I'm not the one that has to make the decision, um, and Rich, I know that we don't want to get like too speculative and we don't want to go too big picture, but I agree with you in, in OTAs and training camp, I am interested in seeing, um, you know, how this, this story sort of plays out quietly in the quiet corners of the Rams building because nothing, no overt changes are going to happen. Let's reiterate that for like the umpteenth time in this podcast, this, this sequence of this two week up to two week sequence of time is not going to overtly change anything drastically but little changes might start to happen. Um I ever since I got here um have been actually kind of surprised because Sean McVay runs his offense as a giant mathematical equation in which he likes to win the math of the matchup against um his opponent whether it's how he is stacking his receivers in terms of the 11 personnel or then moving to 12 personnel in terms of creating more advantageous matchups for his players, it's receivers um, who can do multiple things um, which gives them sort of a double factor versus a single factor on the other side. And it's just really the way that they, that he designs plays. So to me, it's really interesting to me and I guess maybe on a philosophical level um, less so of an overt level is 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 you have now this quarterback who wins you math equations, you know, right? And and you have a quarterback who specifically by the fact that he exists wins you math equations. You you're not scheming, you know. Yeah, you can scheme the bootlegs. You have to do that to get Jared to win mathematical equations, right? Mm-hmm. But yep. John Walford just exists and he wins a mathematical equation because like we, we talked about before he's two versus one every time he's two options of where the play could go versus one every single time when the when the run game just completely floundered yesterday the Rams offense did not shut down they shut down in the red zone <laughs> but right. when the run game did not get going yesterday the Rams offense did not shut down and that's because of the the easy yards that John Walford was able to pick up, and because they when they dared him to pass, he passed right, right. and And I think that, that 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 factor on a philosophical level, when you start to think about um, just the direction of certain things and um, the, the the offensive philosophy of certain things, it it always surprised me that um, if you can get someone with a natural mathematical equation built into their skill set. Doing that versus scheming the mathematical equation advantage, if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely, yeah, it, it totally does. You you could see how the pieces kind of fit to, together when when somebody with that skill set uh, was out there. And again, he executed it. And, and again, people have made this point totally agree too. I mean, playing that game without Cooper Cup. Uh, it certainly would have been a security blanket for for any quarterback. He always is for for Jared Goff, so he was able to do that without Cooper Cup. and and really that run game. I mean, we didn't even talk about you know Cam Akers going out there on with a high ankle sprain. We'll, we'll never know. Maybe we'll know at the end of the year exactly how he was feeling. I mean his his production wasn't very good, but even the fact that he was out there was kind of a kind of a miracle. So uh, the Rams didn't have much of a run game just because. I, I didn't expect Cam to be very, very dynamic uh, back there, but, uh, but again, John Wofford was able to, to to do that without without Cooper Cup, without much of a run game. Of course, Andrew Whitworth uh, has still been out, so uh, uh, credit for him, for, credit to him for for doing what he did. I again, I I think it was, I think it was great. Uh, I just would caution people not to draw too many right. conclusions off of off of off of one game. We'll see where it goes.
1: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're going to need a just a, a body of work here. Yes. You're not going to need one game or two games or even five games like I cautioned previously. Right. I mean it would it's irrational to assume that you could. I mean, people are people I think drew conclusions and stuck with them with Jared after his his rookie season um yes. and certain things that he's even at, as well as he played in in 2018 um you know, still sort of saddled him with those conclusions, even if they were illogical during that time period. Now I, you and I have certainly discussed some of the places in which he has regressed in this season and also how it, the tandem of the offense shifting toward where it had to go because of the combination of, of um, his, his ability and also the offensive line and, and the run game being sort of erratic sometimes and, and all of these different things that factor in basically I'm just repeating every great point that Rich has made in that there's so many things that factor in that you need a complete picture before you jump to any conclusions.
2: Yeah, that's 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 where that's where I am with it. And and again, that's it's it's not it's not anti anybody and I'm not trying to downplay what what John Walford did. I, I, if if he goes out and and plays against Seattle and just swings it around and and looks great then absolutely let's keep having this conversation. Let's keep doing it. But uh, to you know to act like things have been decided after one game, I think frankly I think people are coming to that from a position and of a little bit of bias because they they're looking for something. <laughs> they they're looking to confirm what what they what they believe is already true. So all I'm saying is let's let's just let's just keep seeing how how it evolves here and and absolutely continue the discussion into the off season. And I think it's a, it's a fair discussion com- completely. So Jordan, we, we shouldn't, I I think, I think it would be wholly unfair. Talk about unfairness to, to go an entire <laughs> podcast without mentioning the Rams defense, um, oh my God. which uh, I think fittingly, as you noted in your column finishes the season, um, you know, based on kind of the, the regular metrics of, of points and, and yards allowed finishes, as the top defense in the NFL, and really finished the season with uh, a great effort. Now, the the poor Arizona Cardinals had their own quarterback issues. They brought in the 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 bearded man from Winnipeg uh, to <laughs> uh, to to play when when Kyler Murray had a little bit of issues with his uh, with his ankle, I believe it was. But uh, that defense did the job, uh, and we've 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 become accustomed to seeing that. Whatever we say about Jared Goff or John Walford or Andrew Whitworth or Cam Akers or Sean McVay, I really think however long the Rams stick around in these playoffs is going to depend on this defense. And if they can continue to maintain the way they've been playing, uh, I, I think the sky's the limit. There's a lot that you can do with a dominant defense in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think it's it kind of goes hand in hand. One, um, you need to, as an offense, actually score in the red zone. I mean, my God. And, you know, they left at least 12 points on the board. <laughs> so I remember you, your point earlier about, um, you know, kind of uh, previous matchups have saw just like have brought just like a rain of points. Um, they could have had 30. <laughs> oh, <for laughs> if sure. they Yeah, if they did it. And, and so that's first and foremost, I think that you, you cannot be success. Your defense, as we've seen, we saw this, um, against the jets. We saw this against Seattle, um, in, in those two losses, you, your defense can play its butt off and, and hold and hold and hold and even score some points. But if you can't at a certain, at a certain level, the, even holding below the league average of scoring, you need to. Now put your own points on the board as an offense. Yeah. But we've seen that all season. There's been no sort of complimentary aspect to it, really. And so um this, this is gonna be really, really interesting to see because y- you just feel for them because you they've just been putting forth their best effort, game in and game out, and taking the ball away. And um they're they're ranked in first and scoring and Troy Hill has three of those four touchdowns that got them up to the, the, uh, the tip of the mountain here in, in scoring. And, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey is just playing his face off. I mean, holding four, four matchups with the premier receivers in the NFC West, Deandre Hopkins and DK Metcalf and in coverage situations has held them to 75 combined yards, four matchups, Seventy-five total yards Amazing. combined between all four. Ma- that's insane. People are lucky to hold DK Metcalf or DeAndre Hopkins to seventy-five yards in a game, and Jalen Ramsey has done it against both in four. And and that's just. I mean, I do. I need to send a letter to the AP voters or like what you know? Like this is just this is that's just insane to me. It,
2: it re- I, I mean, for all that we, I, I have to say, I had this thought last night. I mean. Aaron Donald is is so dominant at his position and I, I've made that argument for him uh, that he should be defensive player of the year because he's so dominant at his position compared to his peers at his position. But I gotta say, I mean looking at what Jalen Ramsey has done and, and his ability to elevate himself against the top competition, whew, I mean he's he's putting a little distance between himself and and his his peers at cornerback also.
1: Yeah, and it drives me kind of crazy because people are so interception biased. And right. so, you know, there are some great corners in the league, but in terms of caliber of receiver and um doing what Jalen Ramsey has done, which is play two positions for the Rams essentially and then shut down these corners who he sees four times a year, or excuse me, shut down these receivers that he sees four times a year. I mean, we we cannot understate that. I mean, and and we don't over here in this space. <laughs> right. we, we certainly don't understate it, but but it's just remarkable. I mean, things that things that they're doing. You know, even even people who are sort of thought were sort of at one point thought to be like weak links, quote unquote, of this of this defense in terms of you know the Troy readers who have stepped up and really played very well the last couple of games and um, found found their place essentially within this offense. It's also scheme they're not scheming, you know, Brandon Stanley's not scheming guys to play outside of themselves. He's scheming them to play within their abilities and then scheming the pieces to all fit together cohesively so that collectively, and I've used this example before, collectively they are a fist and not just several st- straggling fingers and thumbs,
0: <laughs> Right.
1: more thumbs. Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that it's just been really, really fun to watch. Um, I am still waiting on a couple of people to send me emails apologizing to me for making fun of me when I talked about how good this defense would be in training camp. Jordan has a list. I have a list, and I'm waiting. And <laughs> you guys know who you are. So <laughs> I, I remember exactly who you are, and I'm waiting. But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm just kidding. But not really, but really. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's like... Uh, it's it's just it's been a really fun journey watching these guys. And I totally agree with you. I mean, and Sean admitted uh, yesterday uh, in his postgame press conference, they've just been the identity of this team. They've carried this team in many ways. And it's been really fun to watch them evolve and play for each other and really develop this identity and um, and doing so in, in a way that no other defense is, is playing throughout the course, across the league. It's, it's the conceptually, Brandon Staley is doing something completely innovative and can do so based on his personnel and can do so based on how um, smart everybody is in every tier in this defense. And so all of that's been so fun to watch. And I think that for as, as frustrating as this offense has been at times, the defense has just been exactly the opposite. And I agree with you, Rich, this defense will carry this team as far as they go and that doesn't mean to say and god the theme of our last two podcasts is trying to hold two thoughts in our brains at one time like that doesn't mean to say it's the defense's fault if they lose i mean my no. god what are you going what else are you going to ask him to do at this point you know but yeah. th- this is the team's identity and this this defense will carry this team as far as it needs to go
2: yeah i, I think if you're looking at i'm not really ready to make a prediction for this game, Ed, in part because of the quarterback no, situation. No, I have no idea. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I think you can reasonably, I don't want to get too simplistic with it, but I mean, you, you look at the two Rams-Seahawks games this season, the Rams allowed 16 points in the first game and, and 20 points in the second game. I mean, that's that's pretty good. And you, you look at the numbers down the board. I mean, the first game they allowed 333 yards, the second game 292 yards. Their third down percentage was pretty similar. They sacked... Russell Wilson six times in one game and five times in the other. I'm not saying you're going to get a straight repeat of, of those games in in the third meeting because I don't I don't think that's true. There's there's going to be some adjustments, but I I, I think what's reasonable to say is we kind of know what to expect from this this Rams defense. Uh, there, you know what kind of effort you're going to get. Uh, you, you basically know what kind of game they're going to play, and it's really going to come down to how many points can the Rams score if if the if the rams are able to hold seattle to that 17 20 point range which i, I think is a reasonable thing to expect and and a you know a, a good number from your defense can the Rams get there? Can they get to twenty-one? I, I think it's really that's really going to kind of be the race, and whether that's a defense, whether it's another Troy Hill touchdown, or, or whether it's something else, they I think that's kind of the number they got to get to. They got to get to twenty-one or maybe twenty-four, and uh, that's that's going to make the difference. So that's that's going to decide the game, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, you know what? It will all come down to this defense and the leg of a one kicker, oh, Matt goodness. Gay.
2: It it has to. uh, uh, We have to complete the circle, don't we, after talking about kickers. By the way, how about our guy Samuel Sloman?
1: I know. Good for him. Just
2: calls his bank shot and and puts it uh, off the upright and in. Uh, felt felt good for the guy. He had to have. I mean, he it had to be really difficult for him to get drafted and then cut. But, but yeah, we doesn't. Our our abtack has been kind of uh, like dormant because Matt Gay is just like Mister Automatic now, right? So uh, yeah, you, you've got to feel good if it does come down to a to a field goal on Saturday. You got to feel pretty good about that.
1: Don't jinx it, uh, Rich. No, we we're not
2: going to jinx anything in the playoffs. Yeah. We?
1: you know, it's um, also three and zero in the
2: bone and blue uh, uniform.
1: Yeah. You have to wear that all the way through. I think at this point, (laughs) honestly, that's the reverse jinx that you need. Um, so, um, I was actually talking with someone in the organization and just randomly they, it was just sort of like a, a silent pause in the conversation. And just randomly they said, Hey, we have a kicker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> Isn't that great? So I was like, hey, that's pretty good. I said, you know what? It's really been nice that when, um, you know, he's he's lining up for kickoffs or um, about to kick the extra point, I can actually unclench. It's really nice. Right. I think it's like putting putting years back on my life at this point. And, um, you know, good for them. Good for Johnny Hecker and Jake McQuaid who found this guy. And I really, in my column, I had to dedicate a section to it. I had no qualms with special teams yesterday, which was a first all season for me. It took until week 17, but I had no issues with the Rams um, special teams. Yeah. Now, do I, 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 I want to make it clear. In my column, I said I think John Bonamago did some work in terms of trying to save his job. Um, do I think he completely saved his job? I don't know because the playoffs still have to happen and the body of work, obviously one game versus 16, uh, or excuse me, one game versus 15. That's, you know, you got to factor all of those in, but in terms of finally all coming together as a cohesive unit, um, I think that yesterday on special teams, um, you really can't, can't find a ton to complain about. Yeah,
2: and, and shockingly so. I mean, everything kind of came together <laughs> there. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, and that's important too because when talking about what we're expecting to be a close Ram Seahawks game, They most of them have been over the, the Sean McVay era. Uh, so you know, those little things are going to matter. You can't have a special teams turnover. You can't uh, have a punt blocked. You can't miss uh, an extra point. I mean, all of these things just get even more magnified Uh, when you get to the playoffs. So the fact that the Rams at least seem to be playing their best special teams of the season at the end, uh, that certainly can't be a bad thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, kind of like what you said, Rich, I have no idea how this is going to go this weekend. And further, tonight or Wednesday or Thursday, I have no idea how any of this is going to go. I do know that I'm very excited to be covering the playoffs. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> on a personal level. So, um I'm excited to just get in there and try to bring you guys some some updates and hopefully some some good articles and um keep this train rolling and you know, for everybody who's listening, we uh really appreciate it. What a what a start to the new year, Rich, for our 11 personnel podcast. I,
2: I didn't even realize we didn't even wish everybody a happy new year, but uh, we we're, we're just so into it right now and uh, it is certainly fun. You you want to cover playoff games uh, the, these conversations are, are great. I'm excited for a, a great week of coverage uh, that, that you will have on The Athletic on the app on the website. I know so many of our listeners follow along as it is, but would certainly encourage you uh, to, to join us on The Athletic. And uh, I'll, I'll set you up this time, Jordan. Uh, if you uh, go to theathletic.com slash 11personnel, you can sign up today and you can get all of Jordan's great coverage. And you can also get one of Jordan's favorite things in the entire world, which is what?
1: A discount.
2: A great discount. So, uh, look, we have, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do a commercial here, but we, we have coverage across the board, all of the playoff teams. Our our Seattle Seahawks team is also wonderful. Michael Sean Dugar, a great, great beat writer. Um, You're going to want to sign up and and get his coverage too and and all of our Seattle team. I know Jordan and and Michael Sean are going to be teaming up for a story this week too. So we're really excited to to bring all the coverage to you this week and uh, really excited to, to have a playoff game to cover.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next week. Whatever happens, we're here for you. We're here with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving us reviews. We read everything. Um, We get a lot of joy out of reading your nice comments. And Happy New Year, everybody.